And uh, I want to go back to when I first became a Christian. And the reason I want to tell the story is because we're, ha- we're in this series called Babies in Bathwater. And as we look and critique the church, not just our church, but the church in general, we want to make sure that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We want to make sure that we have a great critique and we add some new value and some new ways of doing things that make us closer to the heart of God in, and, in, and more Christ-like in our community, more Christ-like in our spirits and the way that we do relationships and all those kinds of things. But, but we do want to critique. And, and so as we go through that, we start looking back over the history of Christianity at some of the things that really are central to who a Christian is and who the church is. And the church for thousands of years has been there to go about doing good and healing all. This is what we do. And so whether you're watching online right now or you're in this building right now, you need to realize as part of God's church, as a part of the body of Christ, what we do is we create community that goes out and does good and heals all. When I first became a Christian, uh, I just remember how awkward I felt coming into church. I felt out of place. Um, I was just out of high school. I was working in a shipyard. These guys at the shipyard were telling me about Jesus and inviting me to church. And I, I just, the only thing I had been to is a Catholic church. So I knew what mass was like and I, I knew what that was like as a, as a young kid. But at, at some point in our teenage years, our family stopped going to church because we had some dysfunction in our family that needed attention. And we just opted out. And so I drifted away. And I began to ease the pain with drugs and partying and things along those lines. Uh, And I, I was just lost. I didn't know what to do with our family dysfunction. My mom had some mental illnesses that were really challenging. Uh, And so we just started isolating ourselves. So I get invited to church. And the first thing that happens when I walk into the door is some lady asks me what my name is, shakes my hand, and looks me right in the eye with these bright eyes, sparkly eyes, and says, Steve, I'm so glad you came today. And I remember thinking, why would anybody be glad I'm anywhere? That was my feeling. That's how I viewed myself. I felt myself going into a church knowing what I did the night before, what I had done the week before, what my life was looking like. I did not feel worthy. I felt lower than low. And then I heard something in the voice of the preacher that really caught my attention, how Jesus wants to have relationship with us. And I always looked at Jesus as this God that's up there, and if I do something wrong, he's going to be mad at me. I knew that Jesus was going to come back someday. I I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be one of the ones that gets to go because of how I was living. I'd wake up at 2 in the morning hearing something. I'd jump out and look out the window to see if the end of the world was coming. I was so afraid. I was paranoid. But the interesting thing is I went into that church service and I gave my heart to Jesus that day. And I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I really don't even remember the words that were being spoken. All I remember is I wanted what I saw these other people had. I wanted what they had. 
I wanted that peace. I wanted that energy. I wanted that life. I wanted that sense of purpose. I wanted that, that life that when you walked into church, you just felt great about being alive. I wanted to feel great about being alive. I wanted to feel great about who I was and what I do. And um, one of the first things that happened, I got invited to some people's house for dinner. And as a teenager, or yeah, actually I was 20 years old at the time. As, as a 20-year-old young adult, I went to this never being invited to adult people's houses. And never outside of my family, ever. Don't ever recall one. And I got to go in and have a meal with them. And they cooked burgers on the, on the grill. They served salad. And they had dessert. All that stuff. It was like, wow, this is really cool. And they talked to me like I was like an important person. And then they invited me to a Bible study. I went to the Bible study. And then pretty soon I started seeing them at church. And we'd say hi to each other. And they remembered my name. And I got invited to other things like baptisms and I got invited to do other types of things like fundraisers. And I started getting involved in the community of the church and, and I didn't understand it all, but I felt like I belonged. And as time went on, I got really excited and I got involved with the mission of the church. I started working with kids, then teenagers. I was so into it. I loved my church community. I, I, we went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Went to small groups. We did all kinds of stuff. When we, when we went out to dinner, we went out together with people that were believers. And we were celebrating this life that we had in God. And it was just a fun thing. I learned how to give. I remember my first $20 bill. I remembered that I was going to give. And I, I, was, I watched people put money in the offering. I was like, man, someday I'm going to put money in that offering. And, and I remember, I, I bring $20 to church. I'm going to give this $20. And uh, I was so proud of it. I was so proud. And I, I lifted it up. Just, I just kept it out so everybody could see it. <laughs> I wanted people to know I was in, right? Okay, so motives have to change as time goes on, right? But I pulled that $20 bill out, man. I was so proud. I'd never given $20 to anybody except for, for drugs. Okay, and so, so this, this was something that was really important to me. And when I, I dropped it in there, and Greg was talking about not giving out a compulsion or necessity. Oh, I was just, I was given because I wanted to be involved. I wanted to see this get spread to everybody. I wanted everybody to have what I had. And so I dropped that 20 in. And as time went on, man, I started looking around. And I saw all these people were all dressed in sharp and I decided I was going to wear a tie. So I, I wore a tie. I felt so uncomfortable with it, I put a sweater over it so you could just see the top of it. So everybody would know I had a tie. But I didn't feel so awkward walking around looking like a business person at 20 years old, right? Or it might mistake me as some kind of missionary or something, you know. So, so, I, so slowly but sure, and then I lifted my hand. So I was going through all this process, and pretty soon what would happen is I realized I'm part of a community. And that community has been going on for thousands of years. And so now we come to this place where we're at right now. This place in time where we're examining what the community looks like and what it needs to include. As time went on, I got involved with the mission. I started going on mission trips and taking teenagers and started getting involved. And pretty soon I looked around and 
I didn't have any friends anymore that weren't inside the community. Everybody I knew was inside the community. And the only time I really ventured out of that community was to go on these mission trips to far away to reach people in mountains and villages, which was awesome. I loved it. But pretty soon, I started realizing that everybody around me now kind of looks the same, sounds the same, wears the same, believes the same, has the same goals and visions, all these kinds of things, hearing the same teaching, reading the same Bible, and all that kind of stuff. And I felt like I was disconnected from the rest of the world, which was a really good thing, to be honest with you, because I had to relearn some new patterns. Okay, so like I was used to getting up every day and doing something for stimulation, some kind of drug or something. I had no morals. I had to learn all these different things. And so I started learning that there was a center of Christians that was very powerful and that that they followed the words of Jesus. And when they saw something in their life that didn't match up, they worked on changing that. And then we, I noticed that everybody helped each other change that. I joined a group of people that sat around and talked very similar to a 12-step. And we challenged each other and encouraged one another and built one another up and, and confronted each other. And we did all kinds of stuff. But we had community. It was powerful. But then I came to this time where I knew it was time for me to step out of the safety of community and lean in to the ones that God was sending me to. And so I want to talk to you today about something that I think the church needs to be aware of. The reason I have this table out here is because tables are very symbolic. Tables generally mean that a meal is going to be served. Unfortunately, in a lot of our dining rooms, the table just collects things. Things just get stored on tables. Tables are kind of drifting out of being valued in today's society. We order takeout. We make fast food. We microwave stuff. We go sit on the couch and watch TV or watch the news. We do these kinds of things. But the art of gathering together around a table with family and friends is slowly disappearing, maybe quickly disappearing in some cases. But the interesting thing about a table is a table is where food is consumed and it's very symbolic to something that enters in, but something that's shared amongst. So there's, there's this powerful thing about understanding when if you really want to grasp a hold of Christianity, you really want to grasp a hold of spiritual life, you have to recognize is there's an inner thing that goes on and an outer thing that goes on. An inner adjustment of how we think, an inner uh, wrestling with values and morals and decisions that we have to make that all happens in the mind and in the heart and in the spirit. That inner part of a human being is so important, okay? But then there's this external thing, the things that we do, the people that we know, the people we engage in, and the relationships that we have, the work that we do, 
the places we go, the things we build, the things we accomplish. So you have this inner and this outer. And Jesus showed us how to wrestle with both and to make the two together. And the meal is a very important part of that. The meal is where we come to the table and we sit around the table and there is this common thing that unites us together. It's the meal that we're having. Our kids might bring something that came up at, at school or at work or our friends might be sharing the story of something that happened to them or a, a, something that they're going through. There's something about food that unites us. It opens up the door for conversation. And, and very seldom do you see people sitting at a table where they're not talking, having conversation. Or maybe they've grown dull in their relationship and they sit there. I remember seeing this one couple just sitting and eating their soup like this, totally staring over each other's shoulders, not connecting at all. We see this happening now, even at the table, we're disconnected. We're all eating the same food, but we're not enjoying each other because we're enjoying someone else that's not at the table on our phone. And so we've all, we're always somewhere else. We're not 100% engaged. And so the inner and the outer is not activated at the table. And I want to advocate to you that it's important for us to reinstate the table. Reinstate what happens at the table, the conversation, the questions, the acknowledgement of the day, the processing of challenging things, fears, hopes that are dashed, dreams that are forgotten. The table is one of the places where people let their guard down. And the table, interesting enough, was a huge part of Jesus' world. The Jewish tradition was that the table sent a message to the people there is that you're in my world and you're valuable to me. Together, we will celebrate the things the Lord has done in our lives. If you've ever been to Israel or if you've ever been to a Jewish family's home for Shabbat, you'll recognize that there's blessings that are spoken at the table over children. There's blessings over the food. There's blessings over their lives. There's gratitude that's being shared. There's love that's being shared. It's a powerful, powerful experience. The table is where God and man connect. It's where our souls connect with one another. And in that Jewish tradition, the interesting thing was that it was one of the things that signified purity. Because if you came to the table, you had gone through a washing ceremony. You'd cleaned up. You, you don't just show up as is. You're thoughtful before you get to the table. Do you remember Leave It to Beaver? Any of you? There's three of you that saw it. There's, okay, there's, there's another old guy back there. Uh, Eddie Haskell was the troublemaker. He encouraged Beaver to go down to the table barefoot without washing his hands and wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, that was a big sin back in the 50s. Uh, anyway, sidetrack. Rabbit hole. Mm, squirrel. Um, so, 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 
So here, don't worry, we're going to get to the scripture in a second. You can put your thumb in Luke chapter 14 if you'd like. So, in Jewish tradition, there was, there was this purity thing that you went through, right? But also, the people that you invited to the table, you made sure that you were in alignment with them. Because if they, if they weren't in alignment with you, there was this discord, or this tension that was there. And the interesting thing is, is that when Jesus came, he began to interfere with that. Because what had happened is the purity culture of the day had become more of a pecking order. Where those at the top were the elite. And the poor never got invited to a table. Why? Because purity interfered with them being able to reach out and to go past. If you look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, we have this passage here that I think is very powerful. And uh, starting with verse 12, Jesus said this. He says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, okay, so... A luncheon or a banquet is something that you do intentional. This is something that you don't just off the cuff. A luncheon was something that you had guests, a guest list and all kinds of stuff. And you prepared food and it took a while to get that done. It was an investment in finances, time and invitation. Okay. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives and rich neighbors. For they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Okay, so what's Jesus saying? Is is it wrong to invite a family member? No, it's not wrong to invite a family member. But think about your guest list. Think about using the table to be a little bit more intentional because there's some people that would give anything to sit at your table. There's people like me who had never been to somebody's house except for a relative's growing up. There's people like me that have never been the only person invited over for dinner. There's people like me that have lost their spouse or have lost their way or are confused about their identity. They're confused about their life. They're confused about which direction to go. Who are my friends? And when you extend an invitation, Jesus says this, that God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Verse 15, hearing this, the man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it'll be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. So he's thinking that this is going to be in the future, some way down the road, afterlife maybe. There'll be this kingdom when the government's no longer in control, but God is in control. That's when it's going to be good. When we're free, we'll be good. But Jesus was saying, no, the kingdom of God lives right here. You can do this now. Right now, the kingdom is here. It's at hand. It's within you. Verse 15, hearing this, the man, okay, so then he goes on to say this. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, 
He sent his servant to tell the guest. Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. I just got the new Bronco. I need to take the top off and go for a ride. 19. Another said, I just bought five. Okay. Um, Please excuse me. Verse 20. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I understand that one. That makes sense. That's a good. I've been busy ever since I got married. It's all good. I love honey-do lists. Uh, The servant returned and told his master, what they had said, and the master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. So Jesus is like, he's like, oh man, what's happening at this banquet is so important that we need to get people in here, not just stay with the ones that we normally invite. Guys, let's just be honest with ourselves. Sometimes church becomes something about what we go to get instead of who we came to bring. And sometimes what happens is, is that, that we go long periods of times of getting into a routine and we get comfortable and we quit using our table. And the fact of the matter is, the biggest table that we have is right here. This table right here. This community is a table. One of the hardest things about the pandemic is the fact that we, we haven't been able to sit down and eat together and it's messing with people's heads. People are are depressed and people are wanting to take their lives and considering taking their lives, you know, because they're struggling. They're trying to figure part of finding out who you are is finding out your people. Right. You got to find your people. You got to find your tribe. You got to find the place where you're you're wanted and valued and and welcomed and where where you can show that you want them and and you um, invite them in and you include them and you you're excited to see them when they walk in the door because you've provided a place at the table he, the scripture tells us he who isolates himself rages against sound judgment And when we have a big table, we can invite more people. But unfortunately, at our table, our tables these days are really small. Might have two chairs around one table. You know, I do chaplain work, and I go into the homes of people who have passed away. And so family members left there in the home. And I look, and so many times, it's so sad how the life ended. It ended with two chairs at a table. Or one chair at a table. Isolated. No energy, no party at the table. But one of the things that keeps us from having a big table is the fact that we tend to gravitate towards people that are just like us. 
And the interesting thing is, Jesus, in this passage, says, go invite people that are different than you. People that aren't at your income level. People that aren't as mobile as you. People that aren't your age. People that are younger. People that are older. People that look different. People that sound different. People that do different. People that live differently. People who have different morals, different lives. Jesus had a big table. A huge table. Some of you are like, why does he have that huge table up there? Because I really feel it's symbolic. It's big on purpose. It was meant to have 12 people sit around it. It was designed to be inclusive and to have conversation. The reason this table is round is that nobody has to look at somebody's ear. They can see their face. There's something that happens when you can see somebody's face and have a meal. It's easy to put labels on people and not invite them to the table because they have that label. But when you see their face, something happens. Something happens. You know, a lady in our church daughter needed um, special transportation to her school. And the guy that was a driver uh, came and picked her up every morning and he was the friendliest guy. And they met him and they wanted to meet the family. And uh, because he was so friendly, he was so kind and so gentle with their daughter who had some special needs. And uh, they found out that he was a Muslim. And, um, and so they started asking him questions about his family and all that kind of stuff. And eventually they invited him, she, um, the, the wife invited them over for dinner and found out what kind of traditional things that they needed to be aware of, what kind of religious things they needed to be aware of. And they invited him over for dinner. And after that, they had such a great conversation that she shared it with me and talked about it. And she says, we really want to do something for their community. Their community has a lot of people that are poor and really need some. We want to just send some love that way. And she said, I want to send a huge fruit basket. So we got this fruit basket that was just massive, like size of a coffin. I mean, it was huge. It took three people to carry it. <laughs> well, it wasn't a coffin. Um, just big. Sorry. Sorry for the imagery. Next service, note to self, next service, don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Just really big. <laughs> Here's some fruit. Yeah. Um, and the, the community was so blessed by it. The interesting thing is, when Christmas time came along, they brought us a basket. And then we sat down. Do you remember this, Kathy? We sat down with them in this room back here. There was like four, four of them. And we just had great conversation, asked them lots of questions about their purity laws and all the different things. And it was all of a sudden we saw the person. We didn't see the religion. We saw the person. We saw the heart and the intent. We developed the relationship. Things began to shift in our hearts because we let somebody come to our table. We sat around the table in the back room back here. So what am I saying? I'm saying, I think it's time that as a church, 
instead of being known by who we exclude, we start, know, start being known by how we love. Is our purity more important than loving other people? Is us separating ourselves and being distant from somebody that has a different political belief, gender belief, age difference, religion, personal preferences, lifestyle, addiction. Could we start using our table? Because some of us, our table looks like this. There's no place to sit. There's no invitation that's going out. I love Frank and Johanna Day, those of you that know them. For years, every Sunday, they'd invite somebody they didn't know to their house. Somebody that was new in their world. And they would cook them up Mediterranean food. And Frank would give away this uh, plaque that he had made that had the story of the widow's mite and had a little widow's mite that he had gotten from the Middle East. It was framed in there. Several of you have one of those, right? Anybody here have one? Look at all the hands. Probably 15 hands in here. I remember that meal. I'll never forget that meal. I think that when they go to be with Jesus, that'll be the first thing Jesus brought up with them. Remember the meals you guys did? I was always there. Did you sense my presence when I was there? Because I was there because they were hungry and you gave them something to eat. They were hungry for a friend. They were hungry for fellowship. They were hungry to be involved. And you invited them in. How big's your table? If we're going to have a big table, here's some things you have to consider. Think about this. I've got a list of them up here. Let's just go through them. First thing that you have to be aware of. What if we were to be able to see differently? What if we were able to see differently instead of seeing their label, we saw their face? Can I have the band come up at this time? I'm going to read through the rest of these, but I think it would be good to have the band come up at this time. What if we could see, instead of seeing their label, we could see their face? What if we could get past, what if we could get past the label and see the human? We have to learn to see differently if this is going to work. Oh. We forgot to practice that part. Don't be coming out here without a label. Get your label on. Get your label on. Wear it proudly.
I love that Noel has on parole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. There's so much that could be said right now that we'll just, we'll just leave at the table. But sometimes what we, all we see is the label. We can't see the person. Are you following me? So you think about it. I mean, there's, things, there's labels up here that are missing. There's so many different labels I wanted to put up here that I didn't dare put up because we're not quite ready for it. Right? But Jesus is getting us ready. One of our elders had this, this prophetic dream about getting ready that Jesus is telling us to get ready. I don't believe it's, it's just because Jesus is coming back. I think it's getting ready because things are about to shift. The reason that we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because the bathwater is stinking. It's time for some fresh water. And it's time to cleanse some of this crap out of our souls. Right? And it's time. Listen. Choosing... To invite the addict doesn't condone whether they're an addict. It doesn't say it's okay to just keep doing what you're doing. Because you invite somebody that's politically different than you, that doesn't mean that you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to swing the bat for the other team now. It's not what it's saying. It's saying that I'm curious. So what if we were to see differently? What if we were able to just take off the labels? Go ahead and take off your labels. And when you see that, look at the difference. <laughs> Was that painful, Jamerly? That painful? Yeah, it was painful. Yeah, okay. It was the tape. It was the tape. No, but there's this, when you see the human, when you bring somebody to the table, you see the human instead of the label that they carry. Next one. Next one, please. What if we were to be curious? You know, when you see the person, instead of just looking at them, instead of you just talking, what if you were to ask questions? Curiosity is way better than making statements. Today we see on social media, everybody's making statements. They're making statements and people are getting mad. They're angry. They watch the news. They see statements. Not seeing, they're not seeing questions that show curiosity. They might see questions that show, I'm going to trap you. That's how we used to practice witnessing is we learned how to trap people and force them into conversion here just answer this question now you're trapped next one what if we stayed at the table with difference there's some differences spoken up here I know these people and there's a lot of differences even amongst them and they're all on the same worship team powerful when you can sit at the table 
with difference long enough to have a conversation. This weekend, we had an elders retreat and we sat down and I was uptight about doing it because I knew there was gonna be differences in the room because we were gonna be talking about some heavy topics. But it was interesting, everybody came ready to listen, ready to learn. And what unified us was not necessarily opinions. What unified us was the love we had for this congregation and the love we had for Jesus. It's powerful. I walked out, couldn't even explain why I loved it to my wife very well. I just knew that God had showed up. It was powerful. Next one. What if we let people belong before they believed? What if we let people belong before they believed? What if instead of only allowing believers in the doors of a church, we began to see church as a place where everybody comes and gets to hear about the good news? We don't check ID at the door. We don't check belief at the door. We don't check morals at the door. Thank God they didn't check morals at the door when I walked into the church that first Sunday. Oh God, thank you Jesus. It was that love that made me want to reevaluate how I was living. Nobody told me. Nobody told me how to be moral. Nobody told me to quit sleeping around with my girlfriend. Nobody told me to quit smoking weed and doing all the things I was doing. I just wanted to. I just wanted to. Nobody told me. Next one. What if we were to find common ground? You know, sometimes we never take the time to ask anybody about their family because we're not really interested. We ask them, we go straight to their religion or we go straight to their political position and once we figure out what that is, we realize, okay, I'm out. I'm out. This ain't going to go any further. I think we should pray. I just feel like we have a moment right here where we need to look within and ask ourselves, do we have a big table? What if we were to listen to the Holy Spirit instead of feeling obligated to go reach out to a certain person, we just listened to the Holy Spirit that just prompted you and said, you know what, go invite them to dinner. Invite them to lunch, invite them for coffee, invite them over for something to drink. Invite them over to have a pizza. To sit down and enjoy their company. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Put someone somewhere on your hearts. Those of you that are watching online, if you just close your eyes with this congregation that's here and just look within yourself and ask yourself, is there somebody that needs to sit at your table? Is there somebody that needs to sit around your fire table? Is there somebody that needs to come over for lunch or breakfast or after church? 
Is there somebody that needs to be included in your gathering? Is there somebody that would never have gotten an invitation except for you offering it? Is there somebody that's never had a birthday? Some of you in here have had birthdays every year of your life. And there's other people that have never had a birthday thrown for them, ever. Let's get a bigger table. Let's get a few more chairs. Let's get a softer heart. And let's be the church. When we become this kind of church, instead of being critiqued for being a bigoted church, instead of being critiqued for being exclusive, instead of being critiqued for being judgmental, instead of being critiqued for only being about ourselves or being self-righteous, people will say, this is the place you go if you wanna feel included. If you wanna belong, go to Real Life Church. If you wanna feel needed, wanted, valued, included, this is the church for you. Feel like the Lord wants us to hear this word. I've been longing for this day, says the Lord. I've been longing for this posture. I've been longing for the church to move into its potential. For I have called the church to heal this world to mend the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring shelter to the homeless, to bring love to those that are unloved, to bring healing to the sick, to bring identity to the lost, to bring peace where there's strife. That my name would be lifted up and not a religion. For I never came to start a religion. I came to teach people how to love, to show compassion, to look past the weaknesses and the frailties and the mistakes and the hearts that have evil and see the human that is there, says the Lord. If you will allow me, I will show you how to do it. Amen. Amen. This wasn't planned this way. I didn't see this. The Holy Spirit did though. And that's the last point. Is what if we let the Holy Spirit just guide us to the people, 
Guide us with our questions. Guide us on our gatherings and turn this place into a welcoming place that loves people, period. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being a part. You can leave your labels at the tables. Awesome. If you're here today and you've never had the experience that I had when I was 20, where I gave my heart to Jesus, our prayer partners are going to be down here. We'd love to pray for you. All you have to do is walk down here and just say, you know what, I want what Steve was talking about. I want what Steve was talking about. I want that. And we'll pray for you. And you can begin your journey. You can begin your journey. Would you repeat this after me? Heavenly Father. Let's try that again. Heavenly Father. We come to you today. We ask you to put something in our heart. Something that's big. A big table. Show us how to overcome our anxieties. Some of our biases. Some of our busyness. And fill it with imagination. Fill our hearts with imagination, God. Creativity. And boldness. And a desire to see people transformed. We choose to follow you, Jesus. You're our Lord. We want to be like you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Sorry about that, guys. I thought somebody's coming up after me. You're dismissed. Have a great Sunday.